All right, guys. Hey, I haven't met most of you. My name's Nate. Someone say hi, Nate. Hey, I appreciate you guys. Um, I'm on staff at DOXA, which is the church that um, that loves Salt Company, that, that Salt Company is a part of. So I, I won't get to be with you all that often, but when I when I get the chance, guys, I, I love this. I love being with you. Um, I'm on staff at the church, but I, I was in Salt Company at one point. I was even a, a staff member with a couple different Salt Companies. And guys, my life changed through the community of Salt Company. Like my life was different because of the friendships and the relationships and, and getting to, to worship and getting to hear from God and like do crazy stuff with other fresh, like all that stuff. My life was different because of it. And so I, I don't know your story. I don't know where you're at tonight, but I, like I have a sense of anticipation because of what I've seen God do in my life for you. Um, so I'm, I'm just, I'm grateful to be with you. I'm stoked to be here. Um, we're finishing this series, this three word series with it is finished. Someone say finished. Okay, Rudy did a good job planning out a series on ending a series with it is finished, right? Clever, good work, man. Um, These three words, it is finished, this is the ending of Jesus' kind of life ministry, like it's his last words, and endings matter. Like, like picture this, you, you go through a semester, you're confident in a class, and, and everything's going good, you don't even check your grades, you got it, you got it, and you go to the final, and you, you like crack that thing, and you have no idea what is on this. You're like, was I even going to this class? Like, that ending, that ending matters, and it would, change, it would change how you thought about the whole rest of your semester, right? You guys are all smart and better students than me, so you would never have that experience. But what about this? Imagine you're on a date, okay? Yeah, it's something you're like, imagine, wow, that would be great. But <laughs> you're going on a date, and it, it, like, it starts with coffee, but it's such a good time that you keep going to dinner, and you're walking by the lake, and all of a sudden your hands, ooh, it's electric, right? Ooh, okay. And you're walking and it's beautiful and then something about dinner hits wrong and you just poop your pants. I'm talking like complete brownout, like there's no salvaging or saving the situation. Um, I hope I didn't hit too close to home for some of you because some of you look very uncomfortable here. And I'm not saying they pooped their pants, I'm saying you did, right? That, that would change how you thought about that date, right? Like your friends, you talk to your friends about how it went, that would change the kind of conversation you have. You wouldn't talk about coffee, you'd talk about the ending, right? Endings matter. Endings matter. But listen to me, sometimes it feels like like religion, like this stuff we're doing here can feel endless. Because you don't really know what ending is coming. Like you've got some sort of picture, you've been told what you're supposed to think, but but really if you think about your, you trying to have faith or trying to walk in this stuff, it just feels like a, a an endless series of do's and don'ts, trying harder to be better day in and day out, and you're not really sure if you're making progress. Like, you know, maybe a test is coming. You don't know how you're going to stack up. In college, I had, I had some friends that were Muslims. I, I loved my Muslim friends. We would hang out. And, um, yeah, just some dear people from around the Middle East. And I'm um, actually one gal. I wasn't super close with her, but we had a really cool conversation. She was from Indonesia. And she she'd wear a hijab on campus. She um, would pray five times a day. She had a Quran that she would carry with her. So she was, like, she was legit. She was going for it. And we had a conversation one time. And I asked her, um, like, when you die, do you know if you're going to heaven? And I wasn't, trying to, I wasn't trying to be mean or rude. I just genuinely was curious. Like, this woman who's so devoted of anyone I knew, she should have confidence, right? Like, when you die, do you, do you know? And she goes, well, I'm going to work hard, and I hope God is merciful. Yeah. And I'm not poking at her, like, like I'm not making fun of her at all. She was so authentic and real with me, and, and, and I, I feel honored that she even just shared that with me. But maybe if, if you call yourself a Christian tonight or a religious person, actually maybe you feel something similar. Like, I think God loves me. 
I'm supposed to think God loves me. Like, I think God is, is working in my life. Like, I hope, I'm, I hope I'm doing enough. Maybe God will be merciful at the end. Maybe this thing's going to work out. I don't know. I'm trying. Like, sometimes I see some, some progress and sometimes I don't. It kind of feels endless. It's exhausting. Like, when we're not here kind of worshiping and meeting people and talking about fresh day and all that, maybe the word that would best describe your life is just tired. I'm tired of school. And it's like a few weeks in. Oh, boy. There are these, these friendships you've got, and you're tired of how it, you feel like you have to put on a front for these people and perform for those people and be someone different for those people. And then you get to this, this faith thing, and you're tired of trying to figure it out and feeling like it's just not clicking, like you don't really know what, what's supposed to feel like, but it, it doesn't feel right. And if you're not a Christian tonight, I'm, I'm so grateful you're here. You belong here. You should be here. But maybe what I've been describing is the only picture you've ever had of religion. Endless, tiring, uphill. That doesn't sound like something you want to buy into. And so you even came here tonight a little bit worried, a little bit tentative because you've heard all this of do's and don'ts. And you don't really know if you need more of that in your life right now. But we hit these words of Jesus, it is finished. And they bump up, they smash against all of the stuff going in our lives. There's something about when Jesus says it is finished that should explode in our hearts and our lives and have an impact. We need to understand and unpack what these words mean. Because Jesus has something bigger for us than this endless, tiring drag of religion. He has something more for you. So tonight we're just going to look at those three words in that passage that we heard Matthew read we're going to look at, okay, what is this it that is supposed to be finished? How did Jesus finish whatever it is, and what does that mean for you? And underneath that, the question I've been praying for you, the question I've been praying God would answer for you is, what do you do with that tiredness in your soul? Or what, more importantly, what does God want to do with that tiredness in your soul? All right? John 19, turn there. If you're not already there, get an app. If you don't have a Bible, I know um, the SALT staff, they love you. They're looking out for you. They want to get you a Bible if you don't have one, or they want to meet with you and, and talk about how to read the Bible if you don't know it. So, so if, if reading the Bible is like a really foreign concept, like you've got people who have your back here, okay? John 19. I'm, I'm just going to explain what's going on in this book. John is one of Jesus' best friends. They did life together. They talked together. He watched Jesus work and, and meet with people and love people. And so John records this account of his time with Jesus, and he spends the first 11 chapters flying over three years of Jesus' life. And, and he's, he's talking about miracles, he's talking about messages, he's talking about all this stuff for 11 chapters, and then chapter 12, he, he flips it and he slows way down. He spends about nine chapters on just one week. Okay, there's something important there, right? 11 chapters for three years, nine chapters for one week. Something is going on in this week, and so he gives us detail. Like a long, like prayers of Jesus, but even detail of the final hours of Jesus' life. He's betrayed by one of his best friends. He, he's arrested under false charges. He's treated as a political prisoner by the Romans. There's a show trial. And, and this Roman governor basically decides it's going to be easier to execute this one religious leader, to kill him off rather than upset the religious leaders of the day. So by the time we get to chapter 19, Jesus is on his way to crucifixion. Someone say crucifixion. 
this is this weird thing that's like the center of Christianity, but is like actually historically pretty brutal. Like before you ever like got tattoos or made jewelry out of it, crucifixion was painful and it was shameful and it was public. Like the Romans weren't the first to do it, but they kind of perfected the art of, of holding someone up to be mocked at their most vulnerable in life. It was public because people didn't travel a ton. Like so, so the places they would kill people and put them up, hanging them on a, on a wooden cross would be so that everyone could see this is what happens if you mess with Rome. This is what happens if you get on the wrong side of the government here. This, this is your ending. It was shameful because the last memory people would have of you are moments of agony of you dying naked, publicly hung up. Even if they don't know the story, they walk by and see your face, they know your name, they know your family, and they go, oh, okay, he's one of those, I know. Okay, she must have done something horrible. Okay, I know one of those. And it was painful. The point of crucifixion was that it was slow. Not to belabor the point, but but the person being killed, their hands and feet would be nailed to this cross. And, and it wasn't the nails that was supposed to kill you. You'd be hung for sometimes up to four days. Slowly, your body is shutting down because you're struggling to breathe. Because to breathe, every breath you would take, you would have to push yourself up using the nails in you just to get a breath. And over time, you just lose the strength and your organs start shutting down and you die. No one who is crucified looks heroic. No one who is crucified looks powerful. No one who is crucified looks like a big deal. They look like a failure, and that's the ending that Rome wanted. Rome wanted a clear picture like, this is your ending. We win, you lose, game over. And the religious leaders that that partnered up with them wanted that for Jesus too. So it's in the middle of this that we get his last words. In chapter 19, just before this, he's up on the cross and he watches people um, cast lots, kind of like roll dice for his clothes. He sees his mom next to John, who's recording all of this as an eyewitness, and he says, John, take care of my mom. And then we get the verses we, we heard. After this, after what I just explained, in the middle of his pain and shame, his public humiliation, Jesus Knowing that all was now finished, that that is very important. We're going to get to what that means. He said, to fulfill scripture, I thirst. Someone say fulfill. What does the word fulfill mean? It it means to achieve an end. It means to complete something. It means to, to bring something to the place it's supposed to go. He's fulfilling. It says he's fulfilling scripture. In fact, this is alluding to a psalm. Psalm chapter 69. Appreciate you didn't laugh at that because it's very serious right now. Um, Psalm sixty nine. Okay, one of you got it. I appreciate that. Um, it, it's this. It's this ancient Hebrew poem of um, of lament. It's it's written from a perspective of of someone who's being like heaped on, piled on, even though they haven't done something wrong. They're 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 in distress. So it kind of makes sense that Jesus would go there. But it's interesting because it's mixed with like this pain, but also judgment. Both those are going through, and John is saying that there's something going on in Jesus' mind where he's saying, what's going on right now? Actually, Psalm 69, written hundreds of years ago, is an arrow pointing to this moment. We're going to unpack that a little bit later, but if you've never heard something like that, that, 
this is a bigger story than one religious teacher dying on the cross in one poem that he's quoting. He's fulfilling scripture. Verse 29, a, a jar full of sour wine stood there just around the, the soldiers. So they put a sponge full of sour wine on the hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. Sour wine is cheap stuff. It was the bad stuff. It was probably a little cleaner than water, but, but they would have it there both as a kindness and a cruelty. A kindness because as the person who was slowly suffocating, as they would breathe through their mouth, it would get really dry and so they would want some relief, but it was a cruelty because it just delayed the agony. The soldiers are happy to give them what they want in that moment. You're dying anyway. If you want to drag it out a little longer, that's on you. But what Jesus is doing is he's wetting his mouth to say his last words. Have you ever thought about last words? I hope you're not like planning the last thing you're going to say. That's a little bit emo, okay? But last words, like people use their, their ending to try to describe and define their legacy. They're trying to put a, put a point, put a statement on their life. I, I kind of hope I like die in my sleep, right? Come on. Whose team die in their sleep? Yep. All right, come on. Some of you are like, you know, team, I don't know, die in a dramatic like boat fire accident. Like we don't need to go there. But, but I looked up some last words and, and there were some guys that were pretty hardcore. Like Karl Marx, someone's like, as he's dying, he's like, do you have any last words? He's like, last words are for fools who haven't said enough. Okay, dude. Like, fine. Fair enough. Um. Jack Daniels, I love this. He's like, one last drink, please. Fitting. Jack Daniels, my man. Okay. Not, never mind. Don't take it the wrong way. Whatever. Um, Winston Churchill, I, I, I really dig Winston Churchill, but he, his last words before he slipped into a coma for nine days are, I'm bored of it all. Which that man had seen so much and led through so much at the end of his life, he goes, I'm, I'm bored of it all. Groucho Marx, my other favorite Marx, um, he goes, uh, someone asked him, like, do you have any last words as he's dying? He goes, die, my dear, that's the last thing I'll do, which it's like a dad joke right at the end, whatever. Um, I looked up Queen Elizabeth, who, who passed away recently, and, and I haven't seen, like, what her last words are, her kind of final statement, but she talked to, to a pastor when she was kind of sick towards the end, too, and I found out recently she was kind of this, this woman of faith, like, very quiet but faithful presence. You're good. No, it's fine. I didn't hear that. That's good. Um, so Queen Elizabeth, one of the last things she said to this pastor talking through her life, like 70 years on the throne, one thing she said is no regrets. Dang, okay. Like she had no regrets, like did it all, whatever. That's cool. Yeah. Last words are like like the exclamation point on the ending, and Jesus has asked them to give him sour wine just to clear his throat so he can give his last words to his, his mom standing there to John, his best friend, to the guards that are just okay with him suffering, they've, they've, they've taken his clothes, to the religious crowd that, that put him up on the cross. And these are his last words in verse 30. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Someone say finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Now put yourself in the place of that crowd. His best friend's his mom, again, these soldiers or, the, or the, the religious leaders who put him up there. I think they would have had a very different perspective of what that meant. Because it is finished could sound like the words of a, of a just tired, sad man. Like just someone worn out. Oh, finally I'm dead. And when you think about crucifixion, like Jesus is one of the most compelling, interesting people in world history. Whether you're a Christian or not, you've got to acknowledge Jesus changed the world. 
And he preached this message of, of love and reconciliation and forgiveness. And, and he touched the poor that were outcasts. He touched the sick. So the, the ending of his life being a shameful, brutal crucifixion and him just being worn out, it doesn't seem fitting. And yet so much of the crowd watching that historical event, that's really what they wanted. Just, just stop this. Just get it done. But remember, John has slowed way down in these chapters because details matter to John. Like, there, there's something you've got to catch here. It is finished from one perspective, could look like failure, but that's not the story here. At the end of verse 30, it says, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. There was intention there. There was purpose there. In fact, a few verses later, the, these Roman soldiers who are experts on crucifixion, they go to speed up the process by breaking people's legs so they can't keep lifting themselves up. And they, they find that Jesus is already dead and they're surprised. Because they've seen this happen a lot of times. Like, you don't die that quickly. Jesus chose his moment of death. It is finished. He was up to something. This isn't a man who is a failure, who is worn out, who is beat down. This is a man with a plan. And he is walking his plan through, even if it means walking it through death. So, so the question, when he says what, or when he says it is finished, what is it that is finished? There's been hints all over these, these three verses. Even that, that phrase to fulfill scripture, John is trying to point your eyes to the fact that all through the Bible, God has been on a rescue mission. All through the story of scripture, God has been making promises to his people and prophecies and, and these historical events that are arrows pointing to the finished work of Jesus. The entire Bible is a story of God running after people while they run away from him. And it leads to this moment where Jesus completes the plan. In fact, when he's arrested, he tells the, the people around him, like, hey, I'm going to drink the cup the Father has for me. He knew what was coming on the other side of this trial. And he was there for it. He wasn't taken captive. He was walking out the plan he had. Again, even through death. So what is finished? God's plan to restore relationship by sending Jesus to die. Now, how is that finished? Like, how, how does that actually finish something for you or for me today? Listen to me, the biggest issue in your life is not your busyness. It's not your boredom. It's not your lack of a, of a relationship or, or lack of a, a degree or lack of a, a knowledge about your future. It's not the biggest issue in your life. In fact, your tiredness is a symptom of a deeper disease. I don't know you, I don't know your story, but I know this about you. You and I have the same issue here. We're people that, that don't walk with God when we were made to. We walk out of step with the creator of the universe. He, he set the music that we're supposed to dance to, and we're trying to make our own beat. Everything that we do in our lives is trying to put ourselves center stage. Even our best religious efforts are shot through with selfishness. And pride, I'm looking for God to make me happy and make me satisfied and make me whole. And yeah, if he gets something out of it, that's kind of, that's whatever. And I know it feels natural because the deepest longing of your heart is to find this hope and this help. But listen to me. The Bible is really clear that all of us have sinned. And, and you might not be comfortable with religious words, but sin is basically missing the mark of God's character and nature. It's putting ourselves or anything else in the place that only God himself deserves. 
We see that in every page of the Bible. We see it on, in the news. You saw it on campus today. You might be seeing it in your own heart right now, those times where you want to be the center of the universe. And listen to me, the universe was not made for you. Even if it feels the most natural thing, the universe was not made for you. And so again, no job, no paycheck, no relationship, no status, no, no followers, no whatever, nothing can satisfy that. There's a hunger inside of you. But if we, if we run from the author of life, if we push away from the author of life, the only place we gotta go is death. That's spiritual death, physical death, ultimately the living reality of hell, separation from the author of life forever. But while mankind was running from God, God ran towards mankind. God came as a man. Jesus is God in flesh, and he walked the life that you and I were supposed to live. He wasn't just like this example of a really nice dude and a good teacher, but he was actually walking in step with God's music the way that you were supposed to. Like people around him came alive and flourished because he was living in the plan of God that, that we were all supposed to. And for a guy like that, this ending doesn't feel fitting unless God is up to something bigger. Whereas Jesus earned perfect relationship with the Father forever, where he deserved to kind of waltz into heaven and just enjoy it, he chose to take the judgment that we deserve. He chose to take the punishment that we deserve for making ourselves center stage. So how was it finished? He, he took on himself the justice that you deserve to give you the grace and relationship you don't. In fact, there's a picture in this passage. Again, the details matter. Look at verse 29. This sponge full of sour wine was, was put on a hyssop branch. Someone say hyssop. What the heck is a hyssop branch, right? Like, why is that in the Bible? He could have said branch, right? He could have said, put a stick on a branch, right? But the details matter to John. John is trying to do something to you. He's trying to show you the bigger story God was writing. See, way back in Israel's history, there's a story that marked the people of Israel for generations and still marks them today. It's called Passover. Someone say Passover. You maybe have heard of this, right? Israel is enslaved in Egypt. They've been sinned against by being oppressed and put into slavery. And so God shows that sin equals death and he's going to be the justice bringer. He rescues them from slavery. He brings justice through his judgment on the people that have enslaved them. But he says, hey, death is going to come because sin leads to death. It's inevitable. But listen, if you want to escape death, what you do is you take a lamb, you sacrifice that lamb, and you take a hyssop branch, and you put that blood over the doorpost. And anyone who goes into the house, death will, will pass over it because that blood will stand for you. You will be brought to freedom out of slavery because there was a death in your place. You don't deserve to die in that case. These sinful people of Israel were brought out of a sinful nation by a gracious God and a hyssop branch covered in blood. That's what brings them through. John is trying to show you that what Jesus did on the cross is pay for sin for anyone who would trust in him. When he says it is finished, it is not just this plan of God to bring some kind of relational healing, like come to the coffee shop, we'll talk it out, we'll talk through our issues, we'll come to terms, but justice being served in sin being punished and grace being given by you being invited back to relationship with the God that you've run from. 
Jesus did it. So what do we do with this? Thursday night, Madison, Wisconsin, what are we supposed to do with this? Because you might be thinking, yeah, that's a cool story, that's really neat, oh, I didn't know the Bible had so many things, whatever. But listen to me, if you're not a Christian, have you been rejecting a, a view of religion that was something so much less than this? Like, no other religion talks like this. I'm just being totally frank. Every other worldview or philosophy offers you more work if you just try harder and do better than maybe one day. That's not what Jesus is offering you. He's saying your work will never be enough. It won't, but come look. I've got the scars in my hand that are proof that it is finished. He rose to life proving that he could pay for all of sin, pay your entire debt, and still have more life to give. And if you're skeptical about this whole Christianity thing, there's some smart people in here, smarter than me, that could talk you through all the arguments, whatever. But let me just say, if you wanted to kill Christianity at the beginning, just show me the body, right? Because Jesus told his friends and followers over and over, hey, I'm going to die, and I'm going to come back. I'm going to die, and I'm going to come back. And they were confused, because that is a weird thing to say. But then he dies, and his friends say, actually, he did come back. But if you're Rome and you want to crush this thing, or if you're the Jewish religious leaders and you want to stop this thing, all you got to do is show me a body, and I'm not going to believe it. But the stark picture of history is an empty tomb proving that Jesus could pay for your sin. And it would be finished, like he said, and he would have more life to give you. So, so let me just say, like, the tiredness in your heart that's been trying to tell you this whole time that you were made for something more. Just like when you're hungry, you, you know that there's food to satisfy your stomach. That tiredness in your soul is because you were made to be in relationship with God and find your rest in Jesus. If you're not a Christian tonight, let me just ask, why not? Is there something you think that you need to do to prove yourself to God? Is there something that you think will write a better ending to your story than the finished words of Jesus? No, it is finished for you. Why would you, why would you not take up this gift that he bought with his blood that he extends to you with nail-scarred hands? It'll change everything about your life. Don't mistake it, but, but it's worth it. And if you are a Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, can I just ask you, has this, has this come home for you? Like, do you believe it is finished in your head, but maybe live something different out on a, on a Thursday afternoon or Friday? Are you trying to fill that loneliness with a, a relationship with a person as if that would actually solve the deeper issue? Are you trying to build a career and a life where you could be proud of your final words when, when Jesus' final words were meant to be your story this whole time? Have you heard this word and said, yes, I'm in, and then, and then found yourself trying to dance to a different music day in and day out? Would you just let Jesus beck in your heart in tonight and go, hey, it's finished. You don't have to prove yourself to the Father to earn his love. He actually loves you. He accepts you. He enjoys being with you because of Jesus. You don't have to try to, to gain the approval of people around you because you've been approved by the one who made you and knows you. Your strengths and your flaws, he knows it all, and he has said it is finished. You are mine. You will be with me forever. When the ending of your story is written, it begins to change how you live today, doesn't it? If you're a Christian tonight, you are loved, you're chosen, you're approved, you can find a seat, that's okay, you're good.
listen to me, what would it look like if, if even just a few of us began to take this, this message, it, it is finished, and let it be the story that we live out? Like, what would begin to change in the way that you view yourself and other people if you were actually loving them from a place of being loved and at rest in God's love? Rather than feeling like you've got to pour something out that you don't have in you or try to prove something that you don't know if it's on the line or not. What would happen if you began to tell people the story about Jesus, not because you feel like you have to and you're supposed to and it's a good thing to do and you're a leader now so you better step it up. But actually, if, if the message over your life is it is finished, you don't have to work to prove yourself to God or anyone else. Jesus did it for you. If you're a note taker, I just want you to write this down. This kind of summarizes what we're talking about tonight. Jesus' finished work is your final rest. As we close, I'm going to invite the band to come up. And I just want to... I just want to talk to you as a friend. You don't know me. That's okay. I don't know what brought you here tonight, whether it was a friend, or whether you felt like you're supposed to, whether you've been looking for this, but, but you're here for a reason. And I believe the thing that God wants to do in you is give you a real rest in him. Like the thing that God wants to do in you is give you a relationship with him that you were made for. He's not asking you to come on your best behavior and with your resume all, all finished and ready and your list of things that you've tried really hard to do for so long. He's not, he's not asking for any of that. He's asking for you to look at him, look at Jesus and what he did for you and accept it when he says it is finished. So I've been talking about being tired. Tired in life, tired in religion, tired in all this stuff. And um, if this isn't comfortable for you, don't go with it. I'm just like a visitor here, so whatever. But um, if that kind of hit you hard tonight, like you just feel exhausted, and you don't even know how to put words or talk to people about it, I kind of want us to do something that's a little weird, okay? Um, I, I I want you to let people pray for you. And so what I want you to do is if that hit home for you, Again, whether you're a Christian or not, would you just kind of stand up where you're at and, and let the people around you pray for you? I'll wait just a sec. If you got someone by you um, who's standing up, if you feel comfortable, would you just put a hand on their shoulder or something like that and pray for them? If you know somebody around the room that's standing up, would you um, just go over and pray for them? And, and if you're not if you're not standing up right now, that that is totally okay. Give them a minute, give them space to pray. But here here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to do business with God and ask Him: Is there a place in my heart and my life where I haven't let the final verdict is finished come home? Is there some place where I'm still trying to perform and prove and impress you, God? or impress someone else. And listen. Listen for as long as you need to. And let his final word, it is finished, write a new story over your, over your night, maybe your life. Do that, and then when you're ready, we'll, we'll start worshiping.